Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Social Liability Podcast with your host, Raz and Buck. Uh, some of you may have listened to the pilot, and it was a little chaotic, but we appreciate all the feedback that you gave us. Uh, but this is going to be episode one, the official episode one, with our topic of the week being horrible bosses. Buck, have you had some horrible mm. bosses? I would have to say yes. Yes, I have had some really, really terrible bosses. I mean, you and I have uh, had one one job together, and we had some uh, a, a healthy rotation of horrible bosses. But we've <laughs> definitely had other jobs other than with each other. And uh, just just for the the full disclosure, and whoever might be listening to this podcast, I will not. And I repeat, I will not be talking about any employers I currently have. And you know, when we talk about Buck's employers, that's probably his his wife. So you know, we just won't talk about her either. Correct. Definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> so, no, no, no. what what is the worst boss you think you've ever had? I would have to say that the worst boss I ever had was the deputy warden of the prison when we got hired there. Really? You and I, yeah. Now, yeah. you, you, you spent some time in some real shitholes. I mean, let's just face reality here. And I'm sure that during the course of our conversations as the weeks unfold, people are going to become more and more uh, acquainted with the the originality that is your life. But you really think the deputy warden, and it was the deputy warden of security, I might add, uh, that was operating the prison that you and I worked in, that was the most horrible boss you've ever had. Yeah, I mean, and and for the simple fact, he was a hell of a nice guy. He really, really was, but he did get me fired for one night, and that scared the crap out of me, and that's probably the worst experience I've ever had on the job. I got, I literally got back from my honeymoon when I got married to my ex-wife, and... <laughs> well, let me rephrase. And, she wasn't your ex-wife at the time. She she was your, your wife, then now is your ex-wife. <laughs> correct. My... my yeah, exactly. I, I married this woman who who was my coworker and dotted all my I's, crossed all my T's, and when I came back from my honeymoon I found out that I really didn't actually have a job anymore because I violated the policy about nepotism and I was assured prior to actually tying the knot that this was all going to be okay and it wasn't. And uh so I would have to say returning from my honeymoon to find out that I might actually be jobless kind of qualifies somebody to be the worst boss I've ever had. Yeah, now you may have just heard a, a sensor bar there that I did uh, bleep out the, <laughs> the, the the actual employer because we're not going to get too identifiable here. But uh, yeah, you and I both worked there and uh, you, you started like six months before I did. And uh, I, I was there probably... Oh, I don't know. Two weeks, and then your soon-to-be wife got hired. I think she was like two weeks behind me. And exactly, exactly two weeks behind you. That is correct. Yeah. And uh, how long was it before you two uh, got got married? How long was it? Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'd say about. From July into January, probably about eight months. Holy crap, you move fast. You're an idiot. Some would definitely agree with you on that one. 
Well, if those of you that are listening to this are in our social circle, you know the general rule is now that if you're going to be in any kind of committed relationship, you must be vetted by my wife and I. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that definitely became the, the case with Mark as well. So, yeah. um, with the, the, the whole thing, I, I know for a fact what happened and you can, uh, it's your story. So you, you tell it, but you two were working on separate shifts. Neither one of you was a supervisor. Uh, you were both the same rank. Um, mm-hmm. and by, by becoming, um, betrothed, uh, you both were would at that point forgo any promotions and that was accepted. And then after the deed was done, so to say, uh, they just arbitrarily decided to fire you instead of her, even though you were the senior person. That's so, the only thing that saved me. Yep. Was the fact that they violated their own policy and fired me, even though I was senior. Yeah. How, I mean, <laughs> other than the fact that he just fired you and was a douche canoe about it. I mean, does that really, you know, make him the most horrible boss out there? Because everyone's been, you know, had a boss that's let them go for or, you know, got them in trouble for something stupid. But don't you think that a horrible boss would be somebody who's more of a douche canoe on a consistent basis? Well, I mean, I just haven't. I got to say, I'm I'm very blessed in the fact that. I really haven't noticed anybody being that big of a bastard to me on the job while I worked for him. Um, you know, that's that's essentially what it boils down to. Uh, that he would he, he that that individual qualifies as my worst boss because not only did he outright fabricate the fact that he had everything taken care of, which he very well did not. Um, he had no problem skirting all of the blame to anybody else and really just insulting my intelligence. It got to the point where I didn't even talk to the man. Um, I think uh, skirting responsibility and trying to put off on others is like the hallmark of uh, career and corrections for the most part. It really is. It really is. But that, that almost cost me my entire life. I mean, I've actually never been fired from a job with the exception of my very last employment and that was because you know my disability was getting worse and i was slipping well you've you've been fired from two you've been fired from two because let's face reality no matter how much you try to sugarcoat it and say it was voluntary they did fire you from the prison for contracting ms let's let's be completely honest here i really can't dispute that either i just I kind of don't count that because the writing was on the wall and I just tried to get ahead of the eight ball on that one. But yeah, yeah, I, I guess you could, you could really say I was fired from two jobs, but either way it's, I worked there for seven years and at, in, in corrections and I just, I can't skip over the fact that somebody just told me that everything was going to be fine. And I planned my life around that. I really did. And it really almost blew up in my face. And that was not okay. I mean, I had a, I, I just got back from my honeymoon and found out that I didn't have a job. I mean, like, that is not that is not a welcome thing to come back to. 
No. Yeah. See, like I, I, I was okay on the prison side. Then when I left the prison, I went to a different agency, a different law enforcement agency, and I worked there for about two, a little over two years. And I think that is where my most horrible boss was. So we're both sticking to the law enforcement side on this. But in that scenario, you and I still work together. But this this individual, they ha- had a concept where they were going to be an independent department. Uh, ended up because of union negotiations with another agency, we got merged because me and my partner were making, who were the only two uh, agents in the agency, uh, were making more money than the entire other agency, which had over a hundred. So they, by, by bringing us into their, their fold and putting us in their union, they all got pay raises. And then they, my version of your horrible boss story decided they were going to get rid of my partner and I, and because we had not attended the the same academy as everybody else, we had attended one through the Department of Corrections, and they decided, oh, we'll just you know try to push them out by making it difficult. Well, like my partner, for example, who has an exemplary record, and you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to dox them out here on the podcast at all. But the the person had zero uh, ideations towards misconduct or impropriety. He had a personality of a snapping turtle, but he <laughs> he was not dirty <laughs> by any stretch. And they ended up getting rid of him for uh, failure to <laughs> failure to meet expectations. Um, and then you know when, when they terminated me, they said it was because I incurred cost to the agency because I got two flat tires. And their their whole concept was well, the vehicle was taken out of service, and he took the vehicle anyway. Well, guess what? Um, when we went to court, because we did go to court over that, uh, and they were asked on, on on examination who was the uh, the vehicle manager, and what is the vehicle manager is the one that took it out of service, correct? Yeah, who is the vehicle manager? Oh, I was the fleet manager. <laughs> they completely yeah. forgot that I was the fleet. They went all the way to court without realizing that I was the fleet manager, and I never took that vehicle out of service. So I ended up getting... Um, uh, it, the, the court hearing ended favorably in my my way, so we'll just leave it at that. But that that person was a freaking snake, and I have seen them subsequently on the street before I uh, moved across the country. And the only thing I could think to myself was, "Wow, I pulled your kids out of a mangled vehicle accident, um, and then drove you and your children to the hospital because it was faster than the ambulance." And this, this is the repayment I get. Okay. You're just going to make crap up and lie. But, you know, I've had a lot of just shitty bosses in my lifetime and we all have. And what do you think makes for a shitty boss in general? That in general, I would have to say that looking at somebody who works for you, and that you are charged with supervising in any kind of capacity and then just outright lying to them you know trying to trying to bolster their attitudes and expectations of their own job in order to make your own day go smoother that makes you a shitty boss um you know there there's a lot to be said about the fact that being a supervisor just isn't easy and that is true, but it doesn't require 
lying and deceiving those that you are in charge of in order to make your own day easier. You have to roll up your sleeves and go to work, and a shitty boss just, they like to delegate. They like to sit in that chair. They like to uh, to watch the world work as if they are a puppet master and all of their employees are their own strings, kind of like, uh, you know, a marionette show. And and I don't I don't like that at all. That to me is just a despicable and deplorable boss. See, there's a phrase that gets thrown out quite a bit that I, I would never ask you to do something I would never do myself. Well, that's not true. Uh, I know a gentleman who is in charge of um, uh, utility crews for water, the water departments uh, for uh, like sewers and stuff like that. And he's very good at what he does. But I like I told him, it's like I could do your job. But there is no way in hell you're going to get me to be, you know, waist deep in human feces. (laughs) There's no way. (laughs) Um, So. It, it, it it's not going to make you likable, but you could do it. Now, I think what, what the biggest thing that, uh, and this is an undeniable quality in somebody who's horrible at their job as a supervisor, is typically that person, it's the first time they've ever been in charge of something in their entire life. The first taste of responsibility as a supervisor or a boss, as we're saying in this case, I think is the the undeniable this is the most hated person you're ever going to encounter, especially when somebody who has never had a taste of authority in their life. And they like to make sure everyone knows that, Hey, I have authority now and you're going to listen to me, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. It's, they are now having a power trip. And I think that is the biggest thing that anybody's ever going to complain about. If they're going to complain about their boss is the fact that the person is going to have some kind of inferiority complex. I I would I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Um, you know I can I can go through the uh, the few jobs that I had after I left prison. Um, like when I worked for that insurance company, uh, you actually met my boss, and he was a good smarmy smarmy man. Is that the man I introduced to my box of guns? Yes. Yes, yes, it is, and that was that was just epic and hilarious because I don't think they, you know, I left I left that prison, and I had no other job experience in the world, and I I managed to get an insurance company to hire me to be a financial advisor, and I think that my boss didn't believe the caliber of people that I would be introducing him to because my whole social circle revolved around corrections. Yep. And and you to, were just you were just the icing on the cake with that box of guns. It was great. To be fair, I, I did not want to meet the individual and I had told you that ahead of time. Yes, you did. And I did not orchestrate that. That was literally a gift that was given to me by my grandmother. <laughs> she sent me a box for Christmas of uh old world war ii revolvers and and stuff that she had gotten working in a uh a gun shop uh just after the war and she'd saved them and she just literally sent me a box of guns and it was sitting on the coffee table when you and this individual showed up and i don't know why but these rusted antiques he looked like he was terrified of them i think 
I I honestly I I can't say what he looked like. I was just trying to get him in and out of your home as quick as I could because he had to go with me. And um, because I was still a relatively new financial advisor and I had to have a manager with me present anytime I finished business. And uh, and I just let's let's talk reality. The only reason that's a thing is so he could get a cut of your freaking commission. Well, you know what? He wouldn't have actually needed to come with me to do that because every other piece of business I ever wrote, he actually got a cut of. Sounds like a pyramid scheme to me. It really does, but they're a trillion-dollar company, and they're still doing business, and they've been doing it for a hundred and couple years, and whatever. I mean, truth be told, that was actually a pretty good job. He was only my my immediate supervisor. He and I really didn't have to do very much. I was kind of under the wing of the manager of agency training, and he was a he was a fantastic boss. I mean, that guy and I would ride around for four and a half hours to go write a kid's life insurance policy and just watch YouTube videos the whole time. It was great, but the, the 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 boss that came into your house that that was uh, that was definitely uh, a pretty big trip there. Yeah, I, I, I did. He he struck me as that kind of person who he was young enough that he probably didn't have a whole lot of experience as a supervisor or a trainer for that 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 um, that matter. But he just came off as trying to act superior, and I just it does not resonate with me. I'm I, I nope. think myself as somebody with a perfectly well tuned and intact bullshit meter, and this dude just smelled like bullshit. Right, and and you know what? There was a lot of I my mom didn't even like him for crying out loud. And your I mom's mean, an I, old hippie. That well, not really. My mom is is really an astute person and and in her own right she has the same kind of bs meter you do and he was pinging all sorts of weights that's why i started palling around and and bringing my manager into training with me because i could i just couldn't bring that man into people's houses of, of individuals i knew they smelt right through him yeah really <laughs> it was because the guy the, the guy came off as just a greasy uh, ambulance chasing lawyer and I think that's another quality that people that have horrible bosses see is someone who's trying to play the part of a, a superior. They're, they're trying to act mm-hmm. superior because this is what they believe that somebody should look or dress like and talk like and act like. And they're playing a character. They're not actually trying to do something for the good of the company, good of the firm, good of the, the, the collective. They are simply trying to play the character they have seen on TV's movies or are they're trying to emulate the, the shitty boss that they had before they came there. I can agree with that. That is that is definitely a uh, a good point, and I'm gonna have to leave it there before I say something that I have to apologize for later. Apologize so, to me? No. Oh. Just apologize in general. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what'll come out of my mouth? I'm just trying to stop myself before the storm gets to coming. <laughs> So, uh, when, when you when you left that position, you you went on to other things, obviously, and you you, you took on the mantle of uh, a boss in some ways, but not. Uh, what are some positions you've had where you've actually been in charge? Uh, I was a business development manager for an automotive dealership, and I was in charge of not salesmen per se, but if I were 
the one who initiated a deal or a sale with a customer, I kind of was the overseer of it. So in a roundabout convoluted way, that that would be like my my big supervisory capacity. Wait a minute. Wait, does that mean does that mean like when I'm trying to buy a car and the salesman goes off to talk to somebody, you were that dickhead? Nope. Nope. I was the business development slash internet manager. I was not the sales manager. Because um, I'm going to tell you this right now, and uh, you know, normally I try not to offend people on any kind of uh, media platform I take part in. But if you're a sales manager at a car dealership, screw you. I, I'm going to have to go ahead and give you that one <laughs> about seventy percent of the time. About seventy percent of the time, I worked at a dealership in uh, in South Carolina, and um, all the sales managers there at my dealership were top of the tier aces. And, you know, you got to remember, I was, I was a handicapped car salesman. They didn't even think I could do it. So they, they definitely helped me along. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think I, I don't think I would have done nearly as well as I did. And I got to give them mad kudos for that. I've got no quaint, uh, I've got no qualms with any manager I've ever had in the automotive sales industry at any dealership I've ever worked at, they all treated me fantastic. Every single one of them. Well, I'm talking about it from a customer's perspective. And oh, we, we, yeah. we, you and I could probably do a whole episode on dealerships and franchise laws and the reason why car dealerships are the way they are in the United States. But that's an episode for another time. Yeah, just speaking of the bosses, from a, from, from a subordinate to boss standpoint, I actually really... In, really enjoyed working in the car dealership but i can from from a customer's perspective i can definitely see how that was frustrating <laughs> well something you're touching on let's talk about you know when we know what we're, what makes a horrible boss what makes a good boss what makes somebody that you actually you know, enjoy working for i enjoyed working for people who took an active interest in the fact that if i were charged with a job they, they would help me do that job. They wouldn't try to get me to whitewash the fence. They wouldn't try to get me to do something extra. They said, they would say, okay, this is your job. This is a description of your job. How are we going to make sure that you connect all the dots between A and B and do this job correctly and actually not make us regret signing your paycheck? That, that kind of boss is the one, you know, the person that leads you. And the person that nurtures your your skills and your knowledge of the industry where you work, uh, that is a great boss. Um, somebody who doesn't make false promises or commitments that they can't keep to you. Uh, also, another trademark of a great boss. You know, if 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 they're willing to roll up their sleeves, like I said, you know, I'm going to beat that term up. I might wear that one out, but if they're going to roll up their sleeves and go to work, right right there with you in the trenches, that's a great boss to me. Well, here's a, I'll tell you what makes a horrible boss to me, but also I can turn this and tell you what makes a good boss. If, if, if you bring in somebody new to a company, corporation, you know, what entity, what have you, and your method of training them is, okay, this is what we do. And they ask the question, why? And the only response you can come up with is, well, that's the way we've always done it. That is the... That, that right there that makes or breaks somebody as a good boss or a horrible boss because if they're going to say that is the way we've always done it 
and that's the end of the sentence, they're a shitty boss. If they say, Agreed. this is the way we've always done it because we've tried this, 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 and this, but we're always looking for new suggestions. Do you have any? And is willing to actually entertain and listen and maybe find out. Maybe this person, from a fresh perspective, has the ability to streamline money. You know, that's the concept. And every boss, every every single job you've ever had, someone here is trying to make money or save money. You may work someplace that is not revenue generating, but there is, uh, there's still a function for that within a company. Uh, currently I'm working in, in a in pseudo kind of a way of human resources. Now my department does not generate revenue, but we prevent loss by preventing, you know, disability claims and, uh, HR complaints and stuff of that nature and, and just lost time. And I do all the investigations in pertaining to that kind of those matters. So it, while I'm not revenue generating, I'm uh, revenue saving. That is no matter what job you're in whether it's public service, sales, retail, I mean, it doesn't matter. You're there to either make money or save money. And that should always be their goal, not just to line their own pockets. Because if they're, if, if, if they're just there to collect a paycheck, they might as well be, you know, Joe Schmo that got hired off the street and they're easily replaceable. If you're going to be a boss, you need to be somebody who actually takes ownership in what you're doing and be willing to try to help the, you know, grease the machine. Because what a lot of people don't take into account is, you know, you'll have people that, you know, they destroy the company vehicles. They're, they're, they're losing tools or stealing them, uh, breaking things of that nature. And the company must go through and replace those items, repair those items, uh, buy new ones, what have you. And then these are the same people that at the end of the year, they'll complain that they only got a 2% raise instead of a 5% raise that they're hoping to get. Well, they don't have the money anymore because they just spent it fixing all the crap that you broke. So you have bosses that you're just complacent with that or ones that actually foster an environment where they're going to encourage their employees to do what they need to do to either make or save money for the company, which will in turn help everybody involved. I agree with that too. I mean, that is, that is definitely a good point. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm glad that we discussed these things together, because you're that kind of employee. Um, whereas, whereas me, you know, you, I, I just, I look at my job description, I match it and align it with the amount of money that I'm supposed to make. And I, I make it a cognizant decision. Yes. Yes. I can do this. And yes, I am willing to, or, you know, I'll go apply at the next place. You know, you've always, you have always been the guy who looks at a situation and goes, how can we make this better? Whereas, whereas I am the kind of employee that gets hired to do a job and that is the job that I do and that's it you know and it's it's not it's not the best way I'm, but it certainly isn't the worst either I mean make no mistake I, I do consider myself a mercenary I'm not there because I, I for the betterment of mankind I am there to line my pockets and get out but if, if, if you don't care about your position and as a supervisor myself if I don't ensure that we're not expending money and wasting money on employees that are not up to snuff, then there's that money's not going to be then the kitty to, to get my raise, to get more money, get my bonuses, get what I get, what I want. So there's, there's a reason behind wanting wherever you're at to do good and do better. And 
I do consider myself, you know, a mercenary. I am there because they're giving me money. You stop giving me money, I'm going to stop coming. But at the same time, where I'm at right now, we currently are going through a financial crisis. I'm, I'm working in government again, and we have, uh, we're, if you know anything about government, municipalities uh, it cannot operate with a budget that's not balanced. You must have a balanced budget. And we've had to institute um, uh, furloughs due to COVID-19 and all that nonsensical stuff that people got sent home. And then th- throughout the rest of uh, the next 18 mo- or 17 months, we're going to have one furlough day a month. And I am livid about it. I'm not happy about that one bit. But I, I see the necess- being necessity to do that so that they can, we can continue to operate, even with uh, constraints in our budgets. Now, that being said, now, I know you are in a very, I don't want to say prestigious, I don't have a better word for, for what I'm trying to say, a very important or critical role uh, in, in, your, in your department, you know, but I'm sure that you also have right now, as we currently speak, you know, a boss that may or may not be doing what they're supposed to. And I know you don't want to talk about that, but going into similar industries where you've been in a similar supervisory role in some capacity, what what have your bosses done to support you as a middle manager? Well, I, I, I will talk about where I'm at right now. We, we discussed this before the podcast. We're going to intentionally leave out where we're at now. But since this is good, I'm, I'll go ahead and I'll throw it out there. My boss, who is one rung under the, the, the head honcho, she recognizes the fact that I know what I'm doing better than she does. The fact that she's overseen multiple departments. My department is one cog on the wheel. She cannot be expected to be the person who knows everything about every department. She has to know enough, and she does not try to micromanage. She literally will let me be the supervisor I need to be and come to her if I have a problem. Now, don't get me wrong. She checks in. She does everything she needs to do. No no complaints from me whatsoever. But it is, what makes a good boss is actually allowing your subordinates to do what they're good at. And if they're not good at it, you replace them or you teach them up and get them to where they need to be. But in this scenario, she recognizes that I have more expertise in the field that we're dealing with. And especially right now with this, uh, the the pandemic, I'm coming from a a healthcare field where I was a a supervisor and we are all of a sudden, you know, faced with (laughs) having to have a pandemic response. Well, it just so happens I've written, um, these scenarios out and, and tabletop these into oblivion. I've done them before. I know what I'm doing with them. So the fact that they were able to tap that and allow me to put in a, a, a kind of a matrix form of leadership where, you know, people that normally wouldn't answer to me are because they recognize the fact that, Hey, this person has expertise and they had allowed them to do that. And we got through it and we're coming back to a more n- normal phase. And that's something that, you need to be able to do is recognize that you are not the, the all knowing, uh, you know, the all knowing enlightened Buddha. You are simply the person who's in charge right now. And there's always going to be somebody that has more expertise in a particular field. And you need to capitalize on that as a boss, allow that person to 
uh, excel. You know, just because they know more than you about this doesn't mean they know more about you about being a supervisor or about the field that you're working in. And I think a lot of people as, you know, put in a position of authority are afraid of that because they think this person is going to outshine them or, you know, take their job or, or end up, you know, surpassing them and being their boss. And that's, I think you just have to be really careful not to find yourself going to work every day, living in fear of your subordinates. I, I, I can agree with that. And, you know, it makes me reflect again, back on that same boss that, uh, that I had for the insurance company, uh, you know, smarmy as he was and, you know, as disingenuous as he would appear, he never had a problem playing to the strengths of those who worked for him. You know, if if we had a customer come in that he believed fit a certain profile, he wouldn't cherry pick his favorite advisor in the office to go do it. He would cherry pick the person that he believed would would have the greatest success at writing business. And sometimes that was me. Sometimes it was, you know, one of my coworkers or a senior advisor. Um, but, you know, would, would, you, uh, would you agree that playing to the strengths of your subordinates is a very, very key component in being an effective and good boss? Absolutely. That's, you're, you know, people always talk about, well, I'm not in human resources. If you're any kind of supervisor, you are a cog in the wheel that is human resources because they're not supervising the people. You are. You need to use, utilize the strengths that you have. If you know someone is horrible at doing something, find what they're good at and assign them to that. You can't be afraid to move somebody around and find the more appropriate position for them as opposed to just saying, you know, this person's not worth my time and getting rid of them, which I've seen that many a times too, where somebody's, you know, they, they have the capability to doing something, but that's not what, uh, I don't want them to do that job. I want them to do this job. And, you know, there's, you can't judge the, <laughs> you can't judge the ability of a fish by its, you know, ability to climb a tree. Right. No, that's 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 a good uh, a good point. You can't. And I, I know I totally screwed up that analogy, but I think it still holds true. You can't. You know, you, you, the the test for which animal's best animal. You know, by its ability to you know who's the fastest. Well, no, you're finding out who's the fastest, not which animal's best animal. Right. So right. it's just it's something that a lot of people they fall into that they're emulating bad bosses and this is the way bad bosses have acted or they like i said or they're just emulating what they've seen on television television is your horror is the most horrible thing in our society and I, you'll hear that from me over and over again your best bet is to get rid of the television listen to podcasts like the the social liability podcast and your and your life will be increasingly better it really will be i mean those no true words have been spoken on this podcast yet that and just don't put up with people's bullshit that that is something that I think we're gonna wear out too. I think I think I think that we're gonna to touch and base on that, not just in this episode, but in just about every other one. You know, without a doubt. <laughs> but, you know, so we've we've established some of the uh, some of the crappy bosses we've both had. Certainly not all of them, but I mean, we only have a, a finite amount of time in order to put this production on. So. Well, I've told you about my my boss right now, and I I think she's I'm not I'm not gonna you know rain sunshine out over her butt, 
but I will say I have no complaints. What is the right. best boss you've ever had? Oh, man. The best boss I ever had was the guy who hired me to sell cars. That that, that man, I don't think... I don't think I could ever utter a bad word about that man. Uh, he 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 was so nervous when I walked into his store. Walked. On my crutches. So you walked in? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's back when I could walk. That's back when I could walk. And, and I had my forearm crutches, and he asked me outright, he goes, do you really think that you can do this? And I went, I've got a family to feed. I can do just about anything under those circumstances. You tell me where, you tell me what I got to do, and I'm going to do it. And I knew nothing about selling a car. I knew nothing. Like, I knew where the driver's door was. And that man, and I told him that, too. But for some reason, he just believed in me. And I ended up working for that company for just under two years. Like, literally, like a month away from two years. And... Because he actually brought me in there against everything that he personally believed about the handicap, he brought me in, and I ended up getting promoted not once, but twice in two years. Um, and and it was thanks well, to Well, why don't you brag about it? Well, I just did. <laughs> I don't have a lot to look forward to in life anymore. That, that's my heyday moment. Nice. Nice, nice indeed. But so I'm hoping that if somebody listens to this, you recognize that uh, you are not the only one out there with a shitty boss, or you realize that you might be a shitty boss and you need to be better, or you shouldn't be afraid to tell your boss that they're they're a piece of crap. I agree. I agree, and that that's kind of a good segue into you know what exactly can you do about a crappy boss. You know, and, and I think those are some really good, strong bullet points that you just brought up there. Because, you know, commiserating and bitching about having a crappy boss is one thing, but let's get to the meat and potatoes and put some sizzle on this steak and tell people how to deal with it. All right, well, how, how do you deal with it? I take whatever bullshit comes along and just hope my paycheck comes into the bank. But that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but, here, here's the thing. You're never almost never going to be able to do much about the boss. They're, they're going to, they're going to be the one that signs their own death warrant eventually with whatever company. Once somebody else realizes that this person's not generating or uh, saving me money. And that's, that's comes down to it. That's when people get, get, getting rid of is when they're no longer a benefit or they're, they may realize they're a detriment, but their benefits are no longer outweighing the detriment it is to keep them around. So going to HR, doing all that stuff, that just saves your butt when it comes down to uh, civil liability or civil uh, proceedings that may take place later. But in most states in the United States, for example, are at will states, which means as long as they don't really give you a reason, they can just get rid of your butt and sit because you're ugly. It doesn't matter as long as they don't give you a reason. And then, you know, you have protected statuses and yada, yada, yada. But the best advice I can give to anybody, especially younger people, don't make a horse's ass out of yourself because your boss is a jerk. Because what's going to, especially younger people, and that's just face reality, but we know people that are older than us that <laughs> have still fallen victim to this. 
they allow their emotions to get to the best of them and they just you know arbitrarily quit quit showing up or then they, they go out in epic style <laughs> and you you yeah. see i love some of the watching some of the videos on youtube of people quitting their jobs in epic ways but it's not something i'd recommend because there's a couple of things you're going to be wrong with this one what is one of the questions you're asked in every single job interview you've ever had why did you leave your last job indeed and so and how do you answer that well, if you start answering anything to the negative, well, my boss was a dickhead and he didn't know what he was doing. Well, that means you're a negative person. I don't want you around, so I'm not going to hire you. You know, right. you can't go in there and start, you know, slinging mud. So my my advice to anybody is don't leave. Suck it up. Suck it up, Buttercup. I mean, the times of telling everybody you can be everything you want to be and everybody deserves respect. Yeah, that may be true, but uh, I'm not going to be teaching a, a horse how to fly the space shuttle anytime soon. Right. And, you know, a lot of people start pounding and, and griping on the human resources train. Well, I'll just go to HR. I'll go to the HR. The one big myth about human resources that I have found, and again, I do, I have not worked in human resources. This is just from my own personal observation. But human resources is not there to protect the employee. They're there to protect the interests of the company. So if you go harping about your boss to human resources and you keep on riding that pony, you might not like the stable it ends up in because human resources is going to start going on a fire sale and going, who is truly the risk to the operation? Not, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that they don't care that you're being done wrong, but at the end of the day, you can't round up the truth. And like you said earlier, they're going to look at the books. They're going to look at the books. Whoever this guy is that's causing you problems, if he's producing for that company, if he's making that company money, and he doesn't have a lot of complaints, I can tell you right now, human resources are going to have their eyes set on you as, as the problem, and they're going to get rid of you. Well, as Problem. And the other myth is is human resources will get rid of them. No, human resources can't hire or fire anybody. Nope. That's not what their job is. They make recommendations, but they're not the ones that actually do it. Exactly. But when you're dealing with a new company, you're still going to go through human resources, and they're going to give that recommendation whether you should be hired or not. And if you are, if you really want out of someplace, yeah, get the heck out. Of it. You don't want. You don't spend your life being unhappy and miserable. You end up growing gray early or, you know, it's just and you have shorter lifespan and, you know, depression, anxiety, you name it. But you do need to get out of there. But work on your resume. And it doesn't matter if you're working at McDonald's on the fry later. You were a, you know, uh, uh, starch technician for a Fortune 500 company. Embellish. Right. <laughs> get your butt out of there. But leave. Give two weeks notice. You know, do everything proper. That way you're not burning bridges and you're not leaving, you know, a bad taste in your mouth. Because guess what? People do talk. When anytime somebody applies for a job, you know, it, anymore, it's not for a one-on-one. -on -one. They're typically panel interviews or multiple interviews. And right. you'd be shocked how often you find somebody who you know mutually in common. I've moved across the country and I've known people that, hey, you know this person? Well, I know their, their cousin you know and guess what with the advent of social media you, there is no secrets anymore it, it, no, it, sure. as soon as that you know that, that that goes out on that spider web 
and that's why I don't really, with my personal social media, I don't really do a whole heck of a lot. And, you know, I don't mind getting rid of people in my life because I don't really need that information, you know, circulating. And you're, anytime you leave a job, if you make that epic, you know, have the marching band come through to announce that you're done, uh, people are going to know. And it's not going to help you later in life. No, no, it will not. And you know what? Normally, and I'll tell you, some of the first people that my new jobs have called to ask about how I am a worker are, are my crappy bosses from the company that I just left. And thank goodness you never burn a bridge, like you said. You gotta just, sometimes you just gotta chalk it up as it really is just what it is. I mean, like it's crap and you've tried and, and now you're leaving. There's no reason to be vindictive. Because if you if you really burn that bridge with that crappy boss, you might find it very difficult later to get yourself gainful employment in a similar industry or any any company for that matter. You oh know, yeah, I, it, it, it's funny because when um, I left law enforcement, and I went into uh, doing what I do now with uh, mitigation. Let's just let's just call it that, and I end up working for a healthcare company. All of a sudden, I was running into people that, you know, oh, this person worked at that prison. Oh, okay, well, that person knew this person. Well, it's like a spider web. You'd be shocked. And then, of course, one of them eventually will send you a friend request on Facebook, which you never accept. But you look at the mutual friends, it's like, oh, my God, this guy knows 30 people that I used to work with. I accept every single friend request I get from a former coworker or, or, or boss that I've had on Facebook. And just full disclosure, <laughs> I, I really do. Just, just because. If you're that bored, call me, man. Don't do. <laughs> well, it's just you know what. Sometimes it's like it's like being in a car wreck. Turning your head doesn't make it hurt any less. You know, you might as well might as well know what the bastard's up to. Uh, you're like an old woman that we're looking at our window with binoculars. I don't have binoculars. You also don't have but much of a window. Everything else is, is pretty accurate. No, I have a wonderful window. Yeah, you can watch oh, trash burn. I smell it. Thank you. I don't watch it. <laughs> Actually, that that's happening right now. <laughs> uh, you should just pee out the window. That's very, very, very doable for me because I actually have a... Uh, a super pubic catheter now. My my bladder is a bag. Well, All I got to do is stick it out the window and open the nozzle, and you're done. You can just put it in a squirt gun, you know. Remember that s- awful silence, that melodramatic, <laughs> appropriate pause was me connecting two dots in my mind. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, leaving people with that visual, I think that's a, it's a good place to leave off. Um, we want to again thank everybody for the great positive responses we got from the pilot episode. I hope you enjoyed episode one. Uh, we're going to try to do this on the regular basis. We got some ideas for other episodes coming up. But if you want to hear something that we are bitch moaning and complaining about, please uh, leave get get in contact with us or leave a comment uh, wherever you're seeing this video or listening to this audio version because we are going to be available on most uh, podcasting platforms in the very near future. And I hope you all in, enjoyed this in some way, shape, or form. So, you have anything else for us there, Bucky? 
You know what? I really don't, other than the fact that, you know, I just hope that this reaches one person and makes their day. I mean, that's 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 really what I'm in it for, man. I just want to see people smile. The world's a messed up place right now, and it really doesn't have to be as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Let's just all, again, roll up our sleeves and do the work together, man. Let's let's make the world a better place one one day at a time. Well, let's just be honest here. The kind of person that's going to be, you know, have, find enjoyment listening to two middle-aged guys bitch bone and complain is going to be a special breed of people. So if you're in that special breed, congratulations, and we look forward to you listening to our next episode uh, here on the Social Liability Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.